does have Wall of Omens and Ephemerate. It, four Wall, four Ephemerate. It, so they've started well. Yeah, I really like the four Ranger Captain of Eos. Your targets are fourth Raven Inspector and one Baradin Forge Tender. <laughs> Bruh, this thing has an Ember Cleave in it. Hello? Wait, whoa, whoa what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has one Ember Cleave, one Batter Skull to go with it. One Survive Trio. Yeah, Four Stone Forge Mystic. That just. How often are you getting Ember Cleave? You have Batter Skull and two swords. Well, you've already won the game, my dude. Like, hello? You've got to got to end it this turn not next turn i've never seen the um sword of feast and famine like extended art that's i can't even tell what's yeah, going on it looks really nice it looks nice Actually, but i'm not sure i've definitely come up on sword and feast and famine this week i think it's it has look every time i've yeah. seen it it's looked quite good i def- it may be better than sophie at the moment i tend to default to it just because the ephemerate decks don't run out things to do with their mana and so, like, the mana yeah, boost yeah, sure. just pulls you so far ahead. It's also better against a lot of the combo decks. Because you'd rather yep, make I them agree. discard. I agree. I <clears> agree. <throat> yeah, the discard this discard adds up very quickly. Yeah. And they obviously, like, being able to untap and have all your mana yeah. uh, available for counter magic. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. yeah, I actually think it's good. Yeah. I, I have had Sophie be really good in other fair matchups, basically. Where, like, the shock is going to kill it. Like, in the mirror, you're going to shock a relevant thing, like, every time. And, like, two weeks ago, we were, like, talking about how we have to beat Prowess, right? And now we're not talking about how we need to beat Prowess. Now we're talking about, like, you know, Tron's back in the meta. And, like you said, these degenerate combo decks. And then it seems like it's pretty reasonable in, against a lot of the control matchups. Like, yeah. Blue-White's on the rise. Yeah. I don't know why, but... Um, no I idea. I really like it, Shark Typhoon. won a challenge, like, the, not this weekend, just going for the weekend before. I yeah, don't understand the- why. Yeah, but the deck list um, is just like, hello. Sorry, so this, this white-red ephemerate deck has four Word of Seasoning in the sideboard. Firstly, do either of you know what that card does? It's the split-second act of treason. Yes. Yes, at five mana. What the hell? I didn't... I it's didn't also act it. of treason on a permit. Close enough. What the hell is it? What the hell is this for in a four of? I mean, I'm... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> It's to beat. It's to beat your opponent's ephemerates. Must be. I I really hope it's. Well, I don't even know. So I really want it to be for like um, like the sweetest use would be beating ad nauseum by like taking her on life. <laughs> that's not what it's for. But that's what I want to do with it. I just. I'm trying to figure out. I'm actually trying to figure it's, it out. Like, it's been an okay sideboard card before, but I don't remember why people used it before. Not in red, white, ephemerate. That's that's not a real thing. It just doesn't seem to make any sense in yeah. this particular. Deck. I wonder so much. What, sorry, when does it ever make sense? Like, not in this deck. When is it good? Yeah. No, you're right. I can't I just... remember where I've seen it, but that's the only reason I know what it does, right? Because I've seen it before. Uh, I don't know. Because I, I didn't know what it did. Yeah. Well, that's a mystery for us. Um, oh, okay. So now Kyle's here. I have to read out this this Reddit post that I read the other day. Oh yeah. Um. So this is this is in the Modern Magic credit. All right. And the title is "Help Me Pick Up a Restoration Angel Deck." Yeah. Hello. I'm. I've played Modern semi-competitively years ago, but in the last years I've been quite disconnected from organized play. Recently, my interest in Modern has spiked, and I would like to build a deck that's true to what I like in Magic, and that is casting Restoration Angel. <laughs> 
I guess this post could be called Sell Me Your Restoration Angel Decks, but oh well. Does this, or does this not, Kyle, just sound like Trent's alt account? I was, I was about to say that, yeah. That's probably Trent. I mean, I do have a pretty sick set of Restoration Angels. Like, probably probably one of the best in the world, if not definitely Australia. We have four more to pick up soon. It's true. I know, yeah. I know, I'm really excited. Actually, Cold I'm bottom. really disappointed because I... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really disappointed because it means I have to spend more money on Paper Magic for... That's true. Yeah. You know, no reason outside of the fact to maintain the fact that I have yeah. Frustration Angels. When we were drafting last weekend, and someone asked, like, is this worth anything? We all just shrugged. We're like, I... Paper Magic cards don't have value anymore. Like... I've no idea. Yeah, that was like the Friday before that where I opened up that foil full art like the the voyage card, the mythic for the mythic from the new set. The, the sorcery, the double black. Oh one. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm just gonna sleep this <laughs> and it just like the whole it just it just fucking tabled. Like nobody yeah, wanted it. Tabled. It was worth it was worth nothing. It's just like Did you unsleep it when it got back to you? Uh, I think I think Bassa uh, might have taken it. No, he didn't. The before guy before me. me took it, so I didn't know what it was. Ah, uh, there you go. You're like five oh, there spots. You go. Right, right. It's not five. But, but yeah, it was, it was only worth like six dollars or something. Would have been much better if it wheeled and then you unsleeved it in disgust. Actually, don't look at that. Deck <laughs> I probably yet. wouldn't have taken it. Don't look at that link I just sent. We'll talk about it later. Okay. okay um, okay. <laughs> I realize we haven't talked about a different game other than Magic yet, but we might as well start this here. Uh, so welcome to the Faction Podcast, we're back. Uh, no episode last week, because one of our members got distracted playing Dota, and uh, didn't, didn't show up to our recording session. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kyle, why would <laughs> yeah, you be I'm that sorry. guy? How dare you? I mean, I'm glad that you're picking up a, a new game yeah, rather than... that's def- definitely what I was I doing last week. It's a strict upgrade. But yeah, how yeah. dare you, sir, how yeah. dare you? Of course, you might be wondering why didn't Kyle and I record an episode, and the answer is because Train carries his podcast and actually plays Magic, so we couldn't have recorded without him. <laughs> I actually wasn't, I wasn't there to like whip them into shape and say, yeah, "Boys, let's get it. on it." Trent wasn't there. We were both tired, <laughs> so we both just went to bed. Basically, um, also because again, Kyle plays even less Magic than I did, so it would have been me vaguely talking about a draft and like that didn't go well, and yeah, we. We thought we'd skip it and give you a high-quality episode this yeah. week instead. Yeah, I bring the quality, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Yes. <laughs> um, first, first on our list, um, we'd we'd like to apologise to the world at large for bringing upon us the uh, 40k crossover. We've decided that that is Alex's fault for bringing 40k onto a Magic podcast a few weeks ago, and that's why this is happening. Uh, <laughs> We're not a news podcast, so I'm not going to read the whole announcement. Basically, Magic have announced that they're going to do crossover worlds, and they've talked about 40k and Lord of the Rings. I'm going to open this up to Kyle and Trent here. What what are our reactions to this announcement? I don't really care about any of the franchises that are being intertwined with it. Um, I imagine some people think it will be cool. Uh, I'm not super keen for it um i've seen a lot of takes that are like quite drastically opposed to it i imagine that's what trends is going to be um 
And yes, I'd probably rather not see these cards. I think if they did them in a in the Godzilla take, where you have um, like actual cards and then Godzilla alternate arts, that's fine because I think alternate arts are cool. I, I just don't want it to be like the Walking Dead secret lair where you then have these random characters. Um, but the most compelling take that I saw to just chill um, is that there's a fairly small chance that all of these cards are going to be obscene um, and so you're not going to see a bunch of things overlapping with each other and if you only have to see like one card at a time uh, it's probably not the worst um, and like that's a lot of trust you're putting in wizards to not print I mean, it's like, they can print Oko, and you can call it something. You can call it Loki. It's essentially Loki as a Planeswalker card, right? They just intertwined Marvel earlier than what everyone would have thought. Um, So you just ban it. So if that happens, like, whatever, another card gets banned. It's it's not too unexpected at this point. I mean, I think Tybalt is Loki, right? Fair, but Loki... We're doing that now. Alright, well, Loki can just be multiple Planeswalkers. It seems fair. Um... All right, Trent. What's what's your opinion? Uh, so I think that, like, first and foremost, anything that is going to increase the um, the player base of Magic is a good thing. I think that um, working out ways to weed Magic into these already enfranchised um, games is, you know, an interesting way to to go for Magic. And I think. Like I said, it can only be a positive thing if more people pick up magic cards. That being said, um, I mean, I guess it's funny because I've been thinking about it a little bit more because my first initial response was like, nope, this is garbage. Like, this is absolute rubbish. I don't want to hear about it. It can't happen. They won't get it right. Like, and let's be real, they probably won't get it right when it comes to Warhammer because just the stark differentiation between the world that is and it's being created around magic the gathering like the, the planeswalkers the worlds that we know that the places they've visited the, the the things that the cards represent they just do not even come close to tying in with the reality in the world that's created around warhammer 40k it's just not it's not feasible to combine the one with the other and say that they can be on par even even when it, you break it down to like something as like putting into a uh, like a power and toughness rating for a space marine or you know trying to put those things up against um i don't know what what you've got today like classic like you, you've got your your two mana two two being a bear or a uh, three mana two two being a gray ogre like uh, i'm just not sure how these things even remotely come close to what is represented in Warhammer 40k and how that actually can effectively um, be represented. So I'm really worried for that, um, and I really just I just don't think that they'll be able to do it. And I think, um, yeah, that it could be a really bad thing if you're like one or the other and not both. That's fair. I agree with all that, especially what you said the first part about anything that supports and grows the game. That I spend so much of my time on is a, probably a net positive in my mind, but it's going to be such a weird, like, trying to just mesh those. Do we... Is one thing I, I did, I, I might, like, have an issue with, and it was just because, like, it actually... 
So when they did the secret lair for The Walking Dead, right, I never, like, wasn't enfranchised in The Walking Dead. I wasn't really paying that much attention to uh, the formats. And obviously there was this card, like, uh, Rick was released. And I had no idea what the card was. And then I ended up playing in the Eternal Weekend, and I played against, like, this mono white deck. And then I'm, like, DNT. And I'm pretty sure I, like, played a bunch of games years ago against DNT or whatever. And then he ticks up his eighth vial to four and attacks me in this really weird manner. And I've got like this block and I choose not to block. And he puts in like Rick steadfast leader, a card that I've never seen. And I'm just like, what, what just happened? Like I just died on the spot with no idea. Cause I just assumed it was a palace jailer, but obviously like he didn't do it before combat. So it was something that I didn't know what was going to be. And it turns out to be this card that I actually just have no idea about. So that side of it also worries me that, if it's not pushed to like the the level of like you know when they do standard releases or like modern horizon releases and stuff like that and people aren't as aware of what the cards do or it just doesn't have as much impact on the formats at large as to what we're used to then you can that can also lead to like some pretty frustrating games of magic when it actually mean something if they're legal like i don't even know if they're going to be standard legal model legal whatever i think they were legacy legal yeah that's my uh, yeah. so i'm gonna get ganked by a space marine with a heavy bolter out of an eighth of vial or something like that correct they're fantastic but on that point like how different is that experience to when you first got blown out by like a palace jailer right if you didn't know palace jailer was a card because you only played standard well, like, only played standard releases, rather, so you didn't pay attention to uh, Conspiracy? I suppose I was also, like, a more franchise, so at that stage, like, this might just be, like, a one-off case, because obviously this happened in a bit of a lull period for Magic. This is only specific to, like, when the Walking Dead thing was released. Like, I wasn't playing a whole lot of Magic, then I came back to Eternal Weekend, but obviously didn't know what this Rick thing did. Yeah, that's kind of my thought on it. Both actually in terms of familiarity and also I'm looking at Rick and it is already over 30 US dollars according to Scryfall and that's seeing like no competitive play. But my theory on both the price and also that is that because they're only legal in Legacy, I just think like I'm okay with there being a bit more burden on Legacy players to have to know the weird niche cards. You already have to know, look at every Commander deck that comes out and, like, Commander Legends and stuff for these niche cards, so I'm more okay with that. And by the same token, I'm fine if you have to pay, like, what, more than $30 or whatever or more for a, a Rick because your deck has dual lands in it. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. Whereas they'd be horrific if they were in standard. Like, that would be terrible. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I said. Like, I was... That's generally would be my major concern is like these things cross over into, you know, like standard competitive play. I just don't see how the world of Kaltai meshes with Warhound, with Space Marines, with Power Swords and Eldar with Splinter Rifles. Like that's not a, that's not a comparable thing. So like one thing that Mara is, has uh, not tweeted is Tumblr. I don't know what you, what the verb is for Tumblr. Um... Tumbled. Tumbled, yeah. Um, because someone made the similar point to that, um, and I could probably butcher what he said and still get the point across, but it's that you have not all the worlds um, mesh with each other anyway, like not, not all the magic worlds, um, 
And I think his random point was that you could have a mummy, a Greek god, a, uh, an animated gingerbread man, um, and something else, all driving a car or a boat or something. And he's like, these things don't make sense. You can change one of these with something from a franchise and it still doesn't make sense. It's just that the franchise on its own is very jarring, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, the other the other side of it, and I think we, we spoke to this on um, Saturday evening, was that you know, like um, Lord of the Rings and to a, a, a greater extent, or just a, another example, like Warhammer 40k, these these worlds exist, these things are, they're not created by Hasbro or Watsy. These things have been in existence for however many years. So, like, you, you're not, I, I struggle to find the, 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 like, the branch that binds the two things together because I think that you're trying to mesh something that is already existing rather than, like, the analogy that you just said where, you know, we go to, throne of aldrain world where the hasbro people have invented that and yes it's very obscure that you've got your gingerbread or whatever else in a car and it's like okay this is a weird world but trying to put chandra in a world of tyranids and orcs you just i don't know i just struggle to see it i think for me it's just the tone is so different because we've like we've seen magic do sort of more dark themes in most of the instrument sets um even like, yeah, Amonkhet, Eventide, um, they're a bit darker, but not to the same extent. The 40k universe is incredibly, incredibly grim. And if there was a rating above R, it would be that. Like, that's just the, the world that it is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sold how uh, well those will mesh and whether it will be jarring. But on the other hand, I mean, Kyle's right that we we play with cards from across blocks that don't really make sense together. So there's like, I I'll be interested to see whether it is on a different level of dissonance. One last thing before we move on from this announcement, uh, this is more a question for Trent because I know you're very like deep into the lore of 40k. What power and toughness would a, a normal ultramarine have? Well. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Like, I I don't even know. Like, they they're gonna have to justify it to me because there's so many metrics for it. Like, they're they're superhuman. Like, a, what what's a human? A human's supposed to be a one one, but they're superhuman. They're stronger than, you know, theoretically stronger than bears. Like, uh, I don't know. They can like they can punch holes in armor. They can run through brick walls. They can do ridiculous things yeah. like I, I don't know what you like are they like a four five is that your that's sort of like, the range i was thinking like a, a three four with first strike like, or vigilant i don't i don't know like yeah yeah but they're they're big and then you have the giant problem of like well i mean they probably they fight with giants right like that argument like arguably they they beat a giant up so because they're like yeah they're trained over millennia or centuries of combat so this is this is the problem and then what 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 are we what's the converted mana cost i mean it's the standard unit so what is it it's a common it's it's what is it two mana three four or two mana four five vigilance like this is my problem yeah exactly that's what i mean like how do you build a set of those if if the smallest guy is like a four mana creature or something like yeah that's yeah and that that in lies the that's what i basically 
struggle to grasp. I'll be very interested to see, and and hopefully I'll be absolutely delighted that they get it right. But I'm yeah, I'm, uh, unfortunately I'm not optimistic about it. That is the upside though, right? If they get it right, it's and I say this is someone who's also played forty k. Um, if they get it right somehow and they defy our expectations, that's really cool, and that's cool to see these two uh, IPs that we enjoy get meshed. The best card that I can think of that they've, or one of the best things on the short amount of time I've thought about it, um, that they've released from like recent Magic sets that parlays well with Warhammer is Scoop Mob in regards yeah. to either being an Orc yeah. or a Tyranid. Yeah. Just with the way that it interplays between like Landfall and creating other copies and then obviously it gets to a point where it's invaded enough land that it just overtakes the population, overtakes the game. I think that's that's a really interesting kind of um, comparison to, to draw between if they, you know, however they want to go about it. But I haven't really been able to draw too many other really um, accurate or attractive comparisons between Magic that we've had at the last couple of years and what I would expect these cards to be. Yeah, absolutely. With that, I reckon we might move on and there's a couple of events for us to recap. Obviously, it's been two weeks since our last episode. Let's start with the sealed open. So now, uh, probably about a week and a half ago by the time this comes out, we, of course, had the Magic Arena sealed open. So one of those big two-day events. And Trent, I know you played. How did you go? What What was the experience like as well? Uh, well, it ruined my Monday going to work, that's for sure. <laughs> um, it's the first time I've ever taken a day off work for to try and like earn actual money outside of like you're traveling for the the pro tour or like traveling for nationals and having like coming back on the monday or whatever um so that really sucked um yeah playing at 2 a.m kind of sucked too um yeah that was just garbage but the it was like it was all that aside like i'd do it again because it was phenomenal like just being able to get up and play a limited format, be invested in uh, like the, your outcome on Magic Arena. I think this is the first time I've actually been like enthused in about like actually wanting to win and and make a day two or having something to play for. That was really really good. Yeah, absolutely. It is nice to actually be invested in big tournaments, even if they are online. Yeah, it just it just totally re like, and you've seen it across like. Twitter, all the podcasts, um, like hell, even like some of the podcasts that I don't listen to anymore or haven't listened to in years, I still, you know, they all did like, you know, your sealed special, your Keltime sealed special, like these are the things you should be doing and these are the things you shouldn't be doing. And it's like, wow, the, the entire magic world was just like reinvigorated into the limited format, which was awesome to see. It was absolutely, actually like fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Kyle, I understand you helped build some decks? Yeah, I built a few. Uh, some of them did well, some of them did not. Um, I, don't know, I suppose it'll in contrast it a bit when talking about the drafts that you guys did. Um, I found the sealed less exciting than the couple of drafts that I've done at least. Um, just like a lot of the decks just ended up being five color green. Um, and yeah, from like 
building it, you just play all the green fixing and play all the best cards. It's like. Does that line up with your experience, Trent? I've not played any seal, so. That's the general gist of it: is to just try and get like it's it's sealed turned up to twelve in the regard of, you know, obviously you want to be trying to play all your best cards and play all your fixing well. In this format, obviously there's a very high bar of high powered cards, and there's also a very high bar of uh, fixing that you can open in the in the format, which allows you to yeah go extremely deep in your sealed pools, which is like it's fantastic, right? Like that's what you want to do with sealed magic. You want to actually sit down and have the option to really test yourself and build these you know these not perfect decks but you know to the 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 best mana base and the best cards that you can get in your deck and it's yeah like i said it's a fantastic thing but the, the downside to that is is because that thing exists in the format uh when you don't get access to these things it can really really hamper on your ability to actually um build a good sealed deck and so what you end up doing is you usually end up either being five colors or like four colors or three colors splashing the two others um, with all your best cards in there. Or you would just like this red, white, run amok, uh, put your Tormentor's Helm on your two drops, play as many Battlefield Raptors as you opened kind of deck. And it, I mean, it, it's good for the sealed format to have aggressive decks in the format. Um, it's good that they exist, but it kind of was like one extreme or the other it's either you're all in on being uh yeah trying to get your opponent very dead before they can you know they mulligan to five or six with their bad banner and and stumble or you're on the opposite end you just you have perfect you're trying to make perfect mana and play these insanely high powered cards that are available to you in your sealed deck if you open them yeah i would say at least though the draft format has had all has had more viable archetypes than that even if not all of the color pairs have panned out, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, every every pro that did a podcast or every pro that, that spoke to it or had an opinion about it said that basically in regards to this format, you just do not want to be mid-range. Like, you just don't want to be stuck in the middle um, with two color, you know, like your green-black elves or your red-black mid-range deck because you will just get carved up by either side of the field. And it was exactly true. Um, I had that pool... In day two, I opened my pool and it was super medium mid-range and I was very disappointed because <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't great. And I got set up, basically I lost I lost uh, O2 very quickly just to two extremely good four or five color decks that had uh, a lot better fixing and a lot better cards. And uh, I mean, that's just the way that it falls, but that is an unfortunate part of the format where, you know, uh, it's, it doesn't, it just seems like you're not even fighting uphill, you just... You, know, you just kind of fall over. Yeah, for sure. I think we have a couple of sealed events coming up that we might be playing. Though one of them is Zendikar, but the second one is Kaldheim. So we might have some reports back from that after those. Uh, I imagine, Trent, you'll be playing them. Yeah, I'm less inclined to play this week because it's Zendikar, but also I haven't done a Zendikar seal before, and I think the format actually might be... It might be okay for sealed. I'm not entirely sure... Um, I lit. I only, I actually drafted that set quite a lot. Um, but yeah, like I said, I never really looked at it from a seal perspective. So yeah, depending on what my movements are, I may just rock up and and uh, yeah, get six packs and see how I go. Yep, fair enough. The other events we have done though were both drafts. So we've done two drafts now at um 
one of the game stores here in Victoria, sort of trying to qualify for their um, store championship series, which, at least for me personally, has been very nice having like events with a qualification structure where it feels like it's it's connected. Yeah, for sure. It's been, yeah, just, just being able to get in your car after you work your week or, or you know, wake up on a Saturday morning and, and feel like you actually have an obligation to, well, not an obligation, but you, I mean, you, you can have an obligation to go and play Magic. It's, um, it's a real breath of fresh air because obviously we haven't had it in so long. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so as a quick recap, first event was uh, a couple of weeks ago now on Friday and we got 18 people turning up for draft actually, including nine faction members. Um, Trent and I both ended up in the same pod, actually. We ended up in the pod of eight. Um, a weird pod, a weird draft, it was my impression. The first pack was very weak, and so we ended up with a lot of people not very sure where they were and not very many clear signals, is my reading. Trent, what's your memory of the draft? Yeah, I don't have any, like, any vivid memories of, like, I remember opening an absolute, just a brick, being past a brick and being past a brick and being like, okay, well, nobody opened like bombs because all the rares were still in the packs. Mm. Um, I think there was like a couple of dual lands. I opened that like green enchantment. I uh, think Shane on my left said that he didn't open anything good either. So yeah. And the pack, the power, power level, of the packs were very flat. So there was a lot of, um, yeah, just like trying to, um, trying to find a seed, a lot of waffling going on, which led to an interesting, an interesting like just seating arrangement um i know that i tried to push shane into black white because i just didn't want to take those cards and then i ended up um kind of blue red and then obviously opening a, a reasonable blue red card impact two which solidified me into blue red and i was splashing a bit of team up but the the draft was, as a whole was um yeah it was a strange one it's not something that i've actually seen like i've done you know probably upwards of 50 maybe 60 drafts now and i have never seen packs just be that flat yeah i would agree so i ended up with a i'd say it was like a medium snow deck it actually wasn't terrible but we were only playing for two qualification spots in our pod so i lost my first round in like a close match um wasn't terrible but my deck was probably like three playable short and that came back to hurt me when my opponent had a bunch of Cerule's backmates. So I did not get there. I won one of the next two and ended up one, two, I think, but was really out of it after the first round. Trent, you did a little bit better than me. Yes, I'm at the final table against um, Bassa, Nathan Bassa, who ended up taking it down. And it's it's interesting, actually, because he ended up drafting a, a blue-white deck, which is something that we touched on the week before about how we draft the blue white control archetype yeah and he was completely he was the complete opposite he was actually extremely aggressive like ex similar to uh, a red white variant whereas instead of like having tormentor talents and that he had some of the um valor of the worthies and then a couple of good blue cards in uh sorry i've lost the name of it just like a couple of the I think he had some of the well, oh, Augury Raven plus, I mean, he, he built off Clarion Spirit quite well and uh, had, uh, he played and he actually got me in game three with the uh, Warhorn Blast at the top end. 
which was interesting because it's not a card that I've found to be particularly good. However, he did have a bunch of flyers, so the evasion was you know pretty good with the like the plus two plus one. That's true. It's an interesting point I hadn't thought about. It does get better once you have more evasion. It's quite good with Clarion Spirit, and he also had the Charger as well, the uh, the rare four mana three three flyer, which was very good. Like he had a bunch of foretell stuff as well. It, it just looked good. It was nice, low to the ground, aggressive. Um, I had like a, I think he might have had one or two behold the multiverses as well. So, it, but it was just nice and little proactive, little bit of interaction, and then yeah, plenty of evasion in the flyers, which was uh, something that you know, as we spoke about. Uh, the week before is something that I haven't really been able to get work because I've been drafting these slower blue white foretell decks, trying to make you know Vega work on turn five where you play Vega and then play your foretell card and immediately get a two for one as opposed to being proactive and then being able to just play Vega onto a onto a wet board and then having that be a compounding problem with you know your Clarion Spirit, your one drops and stuff like that. Yeah, I also think um, blue-white, like aggressive blue-white, if you can build it, is probably the best home for Bind the Monster. Yeah, I agree with that. that. Other people don't take as highly because they only want one, maybe two. If you're really aggressive, you could play three or four, and it's a card you can get sort of in the middle of packs. And it works really well with, like, imagine, you know, on turn two you play your Clarion Spirit, they play their two-drop, and you get to play another two-drop and Bind the Monster, their guy, make a one-one, and they've just, you know, you've, so it is literally Swords to Plowshares, right? Like, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's better than Swords to Plowshares when you're an aggressive deck. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting. Maybe that's something I will look to draft more. Yeah, so that's pretty That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then we had another draft. So neither of us managed to get the, the qualifications that weekend. Then we had another draft this weekend just gone with a much smaller turnout. We ended up with six players, all faction players, playing for four slots. Which... Obviously, if anything, I think made it more competitive, knowing that the two people who came last were just gonna get it. Like, it was we weren't gonna let go. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it was a little disappointing that we went from having, you know, nearly twenty people to having less than a draft pod. Um, but I mean, all all the same, it is what it is. We're there to play Magic, and that's what we did. And like, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was certainly competitive. Um, you definitely didn't want to uh, end up being on the bottom end of it. Especially given we, we had um, a, birth, a, a party to celebrate um, Hoodie's birthday that evening, so it wasn't like you could get away from the other people either. You were going to have to spend all evening with them. Yeah, thank, uh, thankfully I don't think there was much rubbing in. Maybe one person in particular got a bit of rubbing in, but that's it. Uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> one person in particular might have got a fair bit. Um uh, another, well, I say weird draft, but that's being a bit kind to everyone who isn't Trent, who was in that pod, honestly, because the the defining part of that draft was that Trent ended up being the only base blue drafter with one of the best blue-based snow decks I've ever seen. Do you want to run us through some of the highlights? Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I uh, just had a, like, uh, just top, qual- top, top quality commons, um... I got past an avalanche call on the third pick. Just, uh, I can't remember what Braden took over it on the second pick. Um, but yeah, so it was the only blue card in the pack on pack three. And then, yeah, just sat in blue, got got gifted the blue stuff. So a bunch of Behold the Multiverses, a um, couple of Bergstriders, obviously the avalanche caller, which is just an ins- a insane magic card. And then I started with uh, the Black Angel and just basically just sat in blue-black, 
um, wheeled all the snow-covered swamps because I assumed that they would wheel, and then I took the snow-covered islands aggressively and ended up with uh, two ice tunnels, three swamps, three islands, so the eight, eight, eight snowlands, and yeah, the deck was just extremely solid. Um, was really, really happy with the decisions that I made early on in the draft, and yeah, got paid at the back end. Yeah, absolutely paid. Um, you ended up with three frost augers, which because they were just wheeling around the table. There's yeah, no actually, table. that's true. Yeah, so I had nineteen. Uh, yeah, so I had nineteen, so eighteen sources outside of this out of one frost auger. So nineteen snow permanents in my deck, which is interesting because I haven't been able to make frost auger work all that well, um, if at all, really. Like it's it's yeah, it's only. I think it's one of those cards that you can only draft it if it's open to you. Like you can't be taking them aggressively. Um, no. And I think you need, I think actually blue black might be the perfect spot for them um, because blue black is lacking in a lot of the spots that other decks have, uh, have made up and because it's, it's also like a one drop, right? So it's quite efficient. So yeah, when you get them in, when you get the deck with the frost augers, you draw a lot of cards and yeah, my deck definitely did that. And, uh, yeah, it was quite good. I was, like I said, I was quite happy with how, uh, how it came together and yeah, how it played and obviously getting the three, I was good too. Yeah, sure did. Also a Graven Law and an Arfi in that deck. Just more snow payoffs. One of the interesting things was I, I speculated on a Tegrid Shadow early. I've not been overly high on that card, but I've seen it work a couple of times with, you know, blue-black sometimes typically... I actually don't like blue-black at all as a, as a color pairing. I, I think it's pretty low in the power ranking of, like, the two-color, three-color um, decks, but like I said, if you can wield the Priest of the Haunted Edges and, you know, like have like an Avalanche Caller or something to set you up early, then um, you can get, you obviously, can, if you can get the payoffs with the Priests and, and the Swamps, the Swamps are pretty low prior for everyone else, so it can come together pretty well, but like I said, I speculated on the Tegrid Shadow, and that makes um, Inga Runize the 4-mana 3-3 Scry 3, and then when it dies, uh, if three or more creatures have died this turn, you draw three. That in its is really, really powerful little interaction. That, um, yeah, I and it happened a few times, and every time it happened, it was just kind of lights out. I watched that happen at least once, and it was backbreaking. So Trent did get the three zero. I managed to two one with a green red sort of beat down ish deck. Um, Losing to Trent in round one, as is usual. I don't think I've... I'm not convinced I've ever beaten you in a match of magic. Certainly not in a competitive setting. Okay. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's good record keeping from you. I can't remember any of them. I remember a lot of drafts where I went to, I went to and Trent, basically. Um, I'm, a pre- so, I'm a very lucky man. So, um... What was interesting about that though was that I was we had another exactly green red drafter in the pot and we somehow both end up in green red and both two one, so I don't really know how it happened. Honestly, this is one of the drafts where I wish we had like a draft viewer to go back and look at everyone's picks to work out how we ended up where we ended up. Yeah, I mean that's the best that's the best part of of drafts all in all right like i don't particularly you know obviously like the with this format and everything it's, it's every almost every part of it's pretty interesting um this the, the picks matter from like you know pick one to pick 45 kind of thing but um yeah always like trying to figure out who's where and and what happened like you can 
I always love the drafts where you think you understand where you're supposed to be. You've kind of set the person up on your left. You're feeding correctly. It feels like you're being fed too correctly or you're identifying the signals. And then it comes back the other way and it just goes out the door. And you're like, well, hang on. that That's not what I wanted to have happen. That's not what I was trying to set up. And then, or even in the, deeper into pack three or, or straight into pack three, when again, things just go pear shape and you're wondering, well, hang on, this isn't, this isn't what happened. And then trying to figure out breakdown after the draft. Oh, this guy opened this insane rare and he speculated like an insane green rare when it was in black, white and he spec and he had a first pick green, green bomb. So he's sh- tried to shift back into green and make it work. And, and that sends shockwaves back the other way. And yeah, that's definitely the best part of limited. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like the, the train wreck drafts are generally more interesting to look at afterwards and to discuss. So in the end, we've both ended up qualified, although I know you're planning to play more, and I probably will as well. There's couple sealed, and there's standard, and then a modern. So possibly I'm looking at the second sealed, I think the cold time sealed, and maybe modern. Modern, Kyle? Modern? Hello? Modern, maybe. Seeing Hello? Seeing as found. I'm still here. I'm looking at modern, so maybe. What are you looking at? The winner of the second challenge. I had to go find their tweet because I lost it. <laughs> I think the challenge results are up. No. I couldn't find the second one, but maybe it is. I didn't try too hard. Only the first one is up. Yeah. So I figured I'd be providing a valuable piece of information. The hammer one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so modern right now seems like it's in a good place. And I say that in, like, knocking on wood, because modern usually looks good right after abandoning, and then often it turns out there's some busted deck. But for now... It looks quite balanced, and there's a huge variety of decks that are doing well in all of the challenges and the mana traders recently. Trent, I know you've got a deck you want to tell us about, so please, take it away. Which one am I talking about? Like, Ephemerate? Yeah, tell us tell us about your adventures in Modern. Oh, my adventures. Yeah, so I, uh, I managed to scrounge together a, a match, um, what was it, Friday night? Yeah, Friday evening. Uh, fired up a league with the old trusty band Ephemerate with, unfortunately, there's no Soul Herders in the list because I really, yeah. hope, I really hope that, you know, Magic hasn't, or Modern hasn't passed that card by, but I feel like it just may have. Um, maybe it just should never have been a thing in the first place. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I ended up really enjoying the time that I played for Modern. I don't think I've ever really said that before, but um. Yeah, it was good. Like it was, uh, I played against five different decks in the league. I ended up going four-one. I uh, I completely browned Tron, which was a which was a great feeling. Always uh, a good feeling. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, it's really um, yeah, modern's diverse and it's crazy and it feels like you can kind of do whatever you really want um, as long as you're still subjecting yourself to. Um, what, what modern can be like the degeneracy of it like you have to just make sure that your deck can actually do something actually ha- sorry your deck actually has to have some form of good matchups because yeah modern being as wide as it is uh you can certainly either get on the good end or the bad end of that i also think your deck just has to inherently do something powerful so that when you ran into the run into the random decks you weren't expecting you have a proactive plan yeah, I mean, my deck was just... 
<laughs> just drawing a lot of cards and wall of omens and ephemerate. <laughs> like that's the powerful thing of of literally of ephemerate. It doesn't really do anything overtly powerful. Um, like by modern standards, it doesn't do anything. It's like the one deck that doesn't do anything powerful. Um, but it's got an extremely extremely like high amount of um, uh, redundancy. Like it's got a very good consistency. Yes, it does. Uh, I have a question for you. While we're on the topic of ephemerate, what do you think of Naya ephemerate with with the Restoration Angels and Kiki Jiki? I know you love Restoration Angel. I think that you can't play that deck because you don't have access to the counter magic that Blue provides you, and like the busted cards in uh, Teferi, just straight up. I think Force Negation and Teferi, and then cards like. You know, just Dane for Stroke, Aether Ghost, Manalik, Remand, all that kind of garbage. It's just got such a better hold on the format than the red counterpart. Like, you can't really play. I mean, maybe you can find a spot for Blood Moon, but, like, you don't want to be podcasting Blood Moon in Naya. Like, you'd just rather be an actual Blood Moon deck. Blue, like, the red-green gives you access to Renin 6. So you could play, like, Season Pyromancer. So I can kind of see it, but, like, you just have... You're just dead to Tron, right? You just... I mean, I suppose you could play... You could play Cleansing... Yeah, you could play Cleansing Wildfire as well. Maybe. Avalanche Rider? Uh, to stretch. But, yeah, you can do that too. I don't know, but how do you, how do you, how do you actually beat, like, an actual combat combo deck, though, right? You just have absolute... You're way too fair. Uh, yeah, the list I'm looking at has like Eldritch Evolutions, and maybe I guess you're playing Hate Bears, but like I tend to agree you're probably a bit fair. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're already doing inherently fair things. You want to make your cards count. Like, th- one of the things with Ephemerate is like I, it's, it's it's extremely consistent, draws a lot of cards, but a lot of the cards also can have pretty heavy impact, you know, between, like I said, like Mana Leak and if even Ephemerate, Wall of Omens and stuff like that are all really good. I suppose you get Ephemerate, Wall of Omens, but you just don't have, like, Force Negation, Mana Leak, Teferi. Like, you just don't have those cards in, if you cut the blue. Yep. That's fair. I would agree. What art Restoration Angel does that list that you're looking at have? What art? I don't know. I'm looking online. Um, it looks like the... Guys, this Commander Legends is the one it's showing me. No, not quite. I just it made me realise that Trent might have two different resto art to pick up. Is this a what? What is this set from? Coldheim Commander. There's new art. There you go, Trent. Do you have a set of these, Trent? What? what? No. You have to show me. Show me. Link. Link me. Let me. Let me. So you're telling me what this? three Restoration Angels I have to pick up now, or two, or what? Two, two? I believe. Why did they do new art for a, oh, a no. version of a card that's only oh, what? in the you said You said you had both oh. foil and non-foil, right, Trent? So it was three. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. I think you'll have... Uh, does the well, Time Spiral oh. Remastered come in foil? Not this one, but Time Spiral. Uh, what, what, what's this out of? Uh, this is the... from Kaldheim Commander. The Commander decks for Kaldheim. Yeah. Oh. I don't know why they got new art just for does a Commander that, deck. Does that count? It's, I mean, I mean you can't say you have four. Of, you can't fine. say you have four of every art if you don't have well, four of every I, art. I, I can say I did have. You can say that, <laughs> yes. These are cool, though. I like this art. Do you? I mean, I don't know, dude. I'm actually... Yeah, I, I guess so. It's... It's definitely not as good as uh, Avacyn Restored. Uh, 
yeah, Everson Rashad? Yeah, Everson Rashad. Everson like, Rashad was the, the best one. Yeah, it, it was so good. Um, I remember when they put the promo out, the promo was worth less than the than the actual <laughs> normal Everson Restored because it just looks so much better. Yeah. At least that's what I put it back to. Yeah. For, those, for the listeners who are unaware, Trent, what is the significance of Restoration Angel for you? I just um, had an absolute affinity for the card. I just always loved it. It's just a... Yeah, I don't know. It just it kind of antithesizes like, everything that I really like to do in Magic. I mean, if you look at my modern deck, Ban Ephemerate, like it's it's just Restoration Angel, right? Like obviously can't really play Restoration Angel because it's not on the modern power level, or the I sorry, the power level of modern. Or at least if it is, it's definitely on the fringe side of it, right? Like yeah. it's not it's not like a hammer. It's it's a nail. I so, do want to play it though, especially now that you're playing Cryptics. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a good card, but I just, um, yeah, I think modern, generally the modern power level has probably gone over the top of it. But like I said, it just entices, it just envelops everything that I like to do with magic. I suppose what I was getting at was how many copies of Restoration Angel do you own in paper? Uh, well, 20. 20, so... Yeah, there should be 20. So there's two, there's foil from, foil Averson Restored, normal Averson Restored, Foil, uh, was it uh, was it Modern Masters? Yeah, Modern Masters. Yeah, Modern Modern Masters. Foil Modern Masters. Uh, oh, sorry, four promos, and then I have four full arts, so twenty-four. Right. Yes. Yes. So that's Trent's deck. Kyle, have you been playing or paying attention to modern much? Um, I kind of looked at that blue living in deck but i haven't played it yet um but i guess if like looking at the modern challenge results there's jun in second and third maybe i should just not play simian spirit guides the simian spirit guide wasn't good in jund anyway or against jund rather so it doesn't really matter it was good against tron which is a bit sad there are two juns there's a grixis death shadow in ninth which is cool there is um there's also a Jun Death Shadow in 14th, and it also made top 8 of the Mana Traders, which is what I was actually looking at playing, because um, we tested that a bit before, and I quite enjoyed that deck. Um, it's probably more of a real deck than Living End is. But... Hey Kyle, you want to know something really exciting though? Yeah. Uh, so the 22nd place list from last Saturday's, from the Saturday just gone, the challenge. Yeah. Suicide Zoo, four Death Shadow, four Goblin Guide, four Scourge of the Skyglaze, four Gutshot, four Mutagenic Growth. That's, that might be a bit excessive. Lightning, this... Lightning Skelemental? Lightning Skelemental? No, 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 no Lightning like, Skelemental. No, then you can't play Lurus. But, uh, That's true. Fine. I know you guys like a black ball lightning. Like, I watched you guys do it. That's true. I mean, we know, did, but... Now that you've said it, maybe I'll play that instead. Sounds better than me, dude. You want to get them dead? My favourite part of that list is that the one list of that that got published, because I 5-0'd with it, was the version that still had Noble Hierarchs as the one drop, as oh, we try to cast awful. out Black Black Red that, spell. That is awful, dude. <laughs> i never seen that. i never seen you play Noble Hierarch in that deck. <laughs> That's because we did it for one league, and the first time I had Noble Hierarch... And Hindra's lightning skill elemental, we went, ooh, actually. <laughs> you didn't know foresight. Nah, Noble Hierarch's good card. The Exalted. Yeah, Exalted. We started from the four colorless. 
Sure, sure, sure. Um, and it's much better there because you get to play Noble into Mantis Rider, which we could still do. Which we still had, but... Did you, did you think about just, like, not playing Lightning Scalamental? Well, that was the whole reason to play the deck again, because there's no good... Like, before you had to play Loxodon Smiter or Geist of St. Traft as your three, which both there's are bad. There's nothing wrong with Geist of St. Traft. It's not good when you don't have many ways to protect, or, like, get it through. It just attacks for four. Yeah, but then you lose your creature. Uh, yeah, but you have a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, but Lightning Skeleton attacks four for turn. 6, and then you lose your creature. Yeah, but you take two yeah. of their cards with it. Uh, I don't know, dude. Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean... Sometimes <laughs> sometimes you just play turn 2, Geist of St. Draft off Noble Hierarchy, pack for 3, they can't even block it. I feel like, like that's, you're that's in. Not, I feel like that's not very good, though. I don't think that's been true for a while. I mean, I don't think this deck was ever good, so... Well, so that, that was the reason for trying Lightning Skeleton, right? Okay, okay, fair, that's fair. Because the threes were bad, which is why we added Lightning Skylantel as a better three. I think you should have tried them all together. Tried them all together? Yeah, Manus Rider, Geist, and Lightning Skylantel. You have to play so many birds. Maybe you have to try it again, seeing as you didn't do it the first time. For um, for a little bit more context, this was a five-color Tribal Flames Zoo deck Carl and I played almost two years ago. So before Scourge of the Skyclaves, before Lurus, it had Bloodbraid Elf, like... Before Magic was snapped in half by these busted-ass cards that they've decided to release. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was pre-Euro. Uh, and BB into Skelemental is so much better than BB into um, Geists. Is it? Are you sure about that? It's yeah. so much damage. You, you top deck a, a Blood Braid and then you attack for 9. Alright guys, my favourite part of this deck though, this this um, Suicide Zoo deck, is it has... Three blood moons in the sideboard. Yes. <laughs> it does. There's one basic swamp in this deck. Half of your creatures are black. It's <laughs> yes. hilarious. Yes, Fucktron. <laughs> you gotta get them. You got you see that's that's the whole plan. You you get two turns. You get two turns to put creatures on the battlefield, right? And then the third turn is that that's it. All your cards are in. You just discard your hand. You put blood moon on the battlefield, you discard your hand. And that's hopefully that's good enough. I've just noticed that there's a breach list, so I'm looking at that list now. Yeah. Breach ascension. Mm. Is this nonsense? Well, oh my god! While, ascension. While you what ascension that out. card? Like pyromancer ascension with underworld breach. Oh god! Uh, yeah, I've seen that. I think it. Someone did. Somebody quite well with it last weekend as well. Surely this um, is good. It's not great. Canister played it on stream. You can probably go watch that. It doesn't. It doesn't it reassure doesn't. me at all. No. Um. On the on the the zoo decks, or not necessarily the zoo decks, but the shadow decks. I've been back when we were testing it. I was mildly disappointed with Luris. I don't know. It's probably like at least in shadow. There's no reason to to not play Luris. But I got my Luris unable to be cast under a lot of blood moons, and I got it discarded <laughs> many times. And I was never happy. Dude, Lurus, like, it's pretty sweet, because, like, you get to play Death Shadow, right? Yeah. And you get to attack them with Lurus and go above 12, and then you get to cast a Death Shadow again next turn. Yeah. Because it goes back to your graveyard. That's it's a really good combo. It is. Why would... Is it, is it a thing that people actually do? Is they put Lurus and Death Shadow in the same deck? Is that a... All they the do. time. You just All the time. You just Red, don't Shadow attack is with like... it. Well, no, okay, so you actually do attack with it. It's a way to manage your life total. Because like, your shadow deck has to pay so much life, right? It's all Shocklands and Dismembers uh, and Thoughtseizes. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> no. 
Yes, I just I just could imagine the spot where it's like hmm, can mm. can can get them with the Lurus. It's like hmm, probably can't get them with the Lurus. <laughs> Uh, it does come up. I've I've played a lot of Shadow Decks with Lurus, and it does come up where you just can't attack with the Lurus. Yeah, that's got to feel bad, though. It I does. Mean, I mean, maybe in some it. spots it just doesn't matter, but, like, any time in Modern where you're just, like, playing three mana to, I don't know, draw a card from your graveyard next turn is probably not great. It doesn't feel as bad as when you pay three to put Lurus in your hand, and then they cast oh, Blood Oh, yeah, Moonlight. dude, I completely forgot <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good I and completely you forgot you need to pay 3 for Lurus yeah, no dude, longer get... cast it in your one swamp deck just like play lightning skeletal don't play Lurus you don't even... <laughs> I mean that's, that's what I'm thinking now I was so Sounds keen on John Shadow okay. and I remember that it had Lurus and I was like oh didn't Kyle, have a good have time a new, with Lurus I have a new proposal for you if you want to play lightning skeletal what you have to do is play tribal elementals that's true I did say that deck that it also Whoa, plays in top 32 no not well, smoke braider but also you get to play the thing, the one-two that reanimates an elemental from your graveyard yeah, with less yep. toughness. Thunderkin Awakener? Yep. Sure. I, I know yeah, Elementals. Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This elementals is like Slivers, dude. Like, it is. You, you don't want to do it. You don't... You know, I do you're just like, I whatever. Really do. But every time anybody does it, you're like, all right, dude. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. You threw $25 up in the fire, but you know, I respect you for it. <laughs> all right, I've got another deck I'd like to talk about. I watched a little bit of this stream, um, mostly because this player, this is Mark Tobias, who is most well-known for playing a million Breach decks. So that's why I was watching the stream. And then in between rounds, he was playing Minor Traders and also the Challenge, and you cannot double queue with Breach. Because if people make you play the combo out, it takes like three minutes, so you just can't double queue. So he was playing this Grixis Dreadhorde Arcanist list. I really like this list. Grixis Dreadhorde Arcanist Breach. No, there's no breaches in this list. Oh, okay, no. sorry. I thought no you were... No, no, sorry. He was, so he was playing He was playing Jesco Breach, which is his like current pet deck in the Mana Traders, at the same time as he was playing in this challenge. Uh, okay, okay. As he said, you can't double queue with like bre- two breach decks because if you have to combo off with both yeah, of them, sure, sure, you sure. just you can't. Yeah, sorry. So he played this list instead. Uh, so it's Death Shadow, Dreadhold Darkness, Sprite Dragon, Croxa, all of the best one mana interaction in Grixis, and some Unearths, and Lurus in the sideboard. You do like you do like Unearth. I do like Unearth quite a lot. Except I wouldn't play Un. I don't know if I'd play Unearth here. I want to play some number of Claim to Fame. That feels better. I don't like Unearth in the format right now. I think Unearth is a really bad, really bad card at the moment. Am I correct in assuming that neither of you pay attention to Pioneer? Correct. That's correct. Yeah, there's a, a red-black Pioneer deck that plays Arcanus and Claimed Fame, which is doing quite well. I, I have actually seen that deck, funnily enough, yeah. Yeah. So I can believe that a Grixis version would also do well. Thought Scale in particular looks pretty good. Does anyone know how Arcanist works with Claim to Fame? Can you attack and then, like, cast Fame? Uh, I actually don't know. Resounding silence. I think... Yeah, no, I don't know. Where's Claim to Fame? I think Mm. you can. I would presume yes. I think you can, because I think, unlike split cards, Aftermath cards only have the CMC of the... Yes, that's correct. the, The, like, top half. Yeah. So I think you can. It's not that great, but... You'd think they would have changed it when they changed Cascade, but no, they just wanted to hate on they Cascade. 
They only changed the wording of Cascade, which is yeah. why Bring to Light still works for Bulky. Yeah. Um, so this deck is sweet. I don't know if it's any good, but it did come ninth in the challenge, so... Maybe we'll have to battle. I mean... I feel like this deck would get crushed by yeah. Ephemerate. I, think I agree. That's why we have to battle. Not be close. I'm more interested in playing Goblins against Ephemerate, although I did 2-3 Goblins League last Ah, 2-3. I told you it's rubbish. I lost Wasting to Liam and Arbiters. It was rubbish. Yeah, that, that is rubbish, dude. No one wants to be that guy. No one. Oh, it was it was bad. It, I was not enjoying Magic. Nah, started no. off so well, though. I, I started off 2-0 the previous night. Was feeling good. So I know I'll finish the league tomorrow. And then just 0-3 the next day. What did you lose to? As I said, so D&T and... What, what, did, what did you lose to, my dude? It wasn't a February. Right? I don't remember what else. I lost to Lean and Arbiter. I don't... I'm not proud of it. Although, Lean and Arbiter is frequently very good against decks I play. Oh, was that when you had, like, double Pyre in your hand? <laughs> so, why... Why is it good? Oh, that's because... Yeah, okay, you need to do the searching with the combo. Yep. Yeah, because okay. I... No, like, the game I lost... One of the games I lost... I had a turn three combo, and I played Snoop, and they played Lean and Arbiter, and my hand was, like... Pyre of Heroes, Goblin Matron, Goblin Matron, Bogart Harbinger. Yeah, I remember seeing that screenshot. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's that's dope. Get her, get, mm. get fucked on, dude. Oh, it's that's modern. That's that's modern, dude. That is modern. I'm off goblins for a little bit. I really want to play Ren and Six deck because that card just seems ridiculous, and it's still not bad. Yeah, this was the screenshot. Yeah. Okay, so it's in there. The chat, Trent, in case you wanted to know the exact setup. Yeah, I just want to have a good laugh. Um, Polymorph came sixth in this uh, Polymorph challenge. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is great. <laughs> uh, that's one yeah. good arbiter. Yeah. Boy, losing to DNT, dude. Let's play the second arbiter. They weren't even attacking or blocking. Really <laughs> they, just, they just left it there because they knew it was good. It's like, yeah. well, if the first one got them, then the second one definitely will do it. it was, um, yeah. Modern is a modern is just a wild, wild place at the moment. But it's good. Like, it's just so refreshing that you can actually, I don't know, think about a format and laugh at a format. Like, not or not actually laugh at a format, but like enjoy the good times of a format rather than, you know, whatever the, whatever we've been doing the last, whatever, 24, 18 months with formats where it's just no point because it's just been absolutely smeared with, you know, the same cards over and over. Yeah. This is the most fun I've had in modern in a long time since they banned Astrolabe. Yeah. I'm enjoying it too. Like I've generally never been a huge advocate for modern and it's, you know, degeneracy, but I, I've enjoyed thinking about the games and I've enjoyed playing the games and I've found time to do it. On the other hand, though, a little bit more saltiness. Sorry, I'm looking through uh, the decks here. And in 26th place, we've got Red White Prison. I I recognize this username. I've played against this player. They only played this deck. And it's just like Ghostly Prison, Suppression Field, 4 Mana Tithe, 8, no, 12 Stone Rains, and 4 Boom to Buzz. Is it Peter, Peter Whitefield? Is that the player? It's Ice 9. 
It might be him. This is. I've played against this player and it is so frustrating. Yeah, it doesn't sound great, dude. No, but sometimes they get you. Like, <laughs> suppression field just randomly gets people. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if yeah. your opening hand has multiple fetch lines in it and your opponent plays a turn two suppression, I'm just glad this person doesn't have Simeon Spirit Guard anymore. Yeah, I was about to say that too. Imagine if it was turn one suppression field. I've, um, I remember there was a modern tournament in Bendigo and oh, I can't remember the story exactly, but one player lent someone else, uh, like a Delva player, uh, sorry, lent, lent another player Delva and he was playing, like he was playing actual prison, like mono white prison. Um, and he put suppression, suppression field in, up into play and the Delva player just couldn't do anything. And he was just so upset. <laughs> I, I can't remember the specifics, but I do remember it being hilarious. I'll actually, I'll you know what? I'll try and get a recording of it, and then we can play it because it's it's yeah, it's one of the funnier ones. I would I would enjoy that a lot. The the other list I wanted to point out, Kyle, is another living end deck. Yeah. In in twenty seventh, this is the blue living end deck. Twenty seventh, is it the Again? same? It's a different player, right? I don't know. Oh, no, I don't it's the same keep player. track of. I don't keep track of living end players. It is the same player. That's right. Oh, there used to be a different one. Um, whoops. They're playing one Brazen Bar now. I think that's better than the the one as foretold and other random spell they had. I've forgotten what it is. Uh, oh no, they had question. one Brazen Bar before. It's one click over one, as told. Never mind. The other deck I want to point out, which top aired the Mana Traders, is, is Madhu Stoneblade. Um, I don't think this deck is good, uh, but it just it looks like it's come straight out of 2018, this deck. Oh, yeah. There's even a shambling vent in here. I saw someone comment, there was a screenshot of someone, of this player attacking a red prowess player with a shambling vent with a sword of, like, <laughs> fire and ice on it or something. That's my kind of magic, dude. Just, just with the, the Absolutely caption, love it. modern is healing. Yes. It's like, there's lingering souls in this deck. You've got your lingering souls, season pyromancer, Liliana of the Veil deck. I've seen, um... I've seen an Arbzown version of the Toski decks that are getting around. So it's playing Lingering Souls. And uh, the one mana, the two mana, two one flyer. And then, yeah, puts Toski into play and, yeah, draws a bunch of cards off Lingering Souls. That sounds pretty sweet. No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. It lingering awful. Souls is a fun card. <laughs> yeah, it's an awful, awful modern card, my dude. I don't think Probably. See, I want to play all these, like, Stoneblade decks. But as you point out, there's a lot of decks playing Stoneblade now. And I think Ephemerate is just like the natural foil that goes over the top of them. I So, oh, yes, obviously I'm high like on Ephemerate. But yes, if you were to go to a, a tournament tomorrow and you wanted to win and that was your expected meta, you would pick up Ephemerate and you would crush them because that, that is your bread and butter. Skyclave Apparition also just makes all these swords look not very good. Especially with Ephemerate, yeah. you get to I do think it Sky at instant speed. I think Skyclave is just really well positioned at the moment in the modern format. Um, obviously, like not great in some matchups, but I think in the majority of the matchups you're expecting, it's kind of a house. 
What? How does Ephemerate match up against Amulet Titan? Uh, I've generally kind of crushed it. Um, although it's different to what it different to what it used to be. So when I when I was playing like Field of the Dead and stuff, it actually was pretty good for Ephemerate if you were playing Deputy of Detention, um, because you could just play like Vincent. You could just get to a spot where you just play. Uh, like a deputy and they could never field you when you could play Venser and like just eventually bounce all their permanents and things like that or you could if you're playing the time walk package they could obviously can't interact with that but you do need to have the right piece of interaction early on otherwise they can just kind of bury you with too much value too quickly right but it sounds like you're not scared of like the fast titans then no nah, generally not they don't start generally like they never they never hit you um like, they'll enter the battlefield and get their trigger, but they'll never get to attack because, like, you just don't have anything else to ever pass. How much does the, uh, like, the Valakut stuff? Yeah, it's the Valakut stuff I haven't played a whole lot. Like, I, when I was playing and testing it, they weren't really Valakuting that much. It was more of, like, the never-ending Field of the Dead combo. So, don't know how much that matters, um... If you've got, like, the sideboard for it, like, if you're playing, like, a bunch of big mana answers between, um, like, Damping Sphere, D-Stroke, uh, Aethergust, and stuff like that, like, you really only need one, one, two pieces. Because, like, the one, the thing with Ephemerate is the one piece is not one piece. It's the piece. It just keeps coming back. Like, that's the whole... That's the whole shtick of the of the deck is getting the consistency together. So like decks that are just trying to like tap out and put Primeval Titan on the battlefield, like similar to, to Tron, where it's like you know they're trying to put Khan on the battlefield, will just resolve one big threat every turn. If it if they get hit by that D stroke once, they're gonna get hit by it again. Sure, sure, that makes sense. That's interesting. I'm just trying to work out what the hole is in Ephemerate then. Uh, just it's it's the pressure. So like prowess, prowess has always been its worst matchup. Like prowess, blue red, burn, stuff like that. Just they're just the nightmare matchups because um, they might be a little better now because obviously we've we've spoken about this in person and you're playing like we've swapped out the coiling oracles and that now we're playing wall of omens for a little bit more defensive speed. But before that, you generally I wasn't playing the full set of the uh, sorry I wasn't playing any walls and so these like monastery swift spear, um, the other one drops the the one drops that. You, have prowess and they just you know they lava dart your guy crash through my stuff hit you for a bunch and you just really can't ever block and trade yeah but now with wall like between wall of omens and skyclave apparition you have tons and tons of defensive speeds so those matchups have probably gotten a little better for it as well hmm. but i'd still say that you're they are they are hard to win because they just have so much pressure so quickly like your noble hierarchs and stuff are always taxed and you generally get a lot of value out of your like your noble hierarchs and that are, are a lot of value in that deck just because you, you're always that you know you always just want like one extra mana and stuff whereas a lot of other decks don't play as many one converted mana cost instant instant speed spells and trying to be as efficient as as ephemerate so yeah prowess just punishes you on on the two axes that you generally just don't want to be punished on is it fixable with sideboard? Because obviously you can play timelies, and you talk about how like the deck is set up to just cast the same spell repeatedly once it draws. Yeah, I think, I I think I think you can. Um, again, they don't give you the time that the other decks do in order for you to, um, 
find the pieces and a lot of the time you against those decks it's weird but you do need multiple pieces because these these decks aren't playing like like i said before they're not playing like trying to resolve khan every turn or trying to resolve primeval titan or like doing things like that they're playing their monastery swiss beer on turn one and their second monastery swiss boring and then lava darting your blocker so that they've already got the pressure on the board which means that you, the one answer generally doesn't do it because you don't have the time to consistently be recurring and returning the cards from the graveyard to their hand you just don't have that setup time yeah that makes sense skyclave apparition also seems like a really big addition to the deck for that matchup specifically yeah, it's it's probably it's definitely the best edition that it's had, and it's probably the best card in the deck. Um, yeah, it probably just straight up is the best card in the deck. Um, where it's good in Ephemerate, it's it's just great. Interesting. So this is all important because this coming weekend is the showcase challenges, and luckily here in Melbourne we've also got a long weekend, so we have the Monday off as well, which means we can potentially play Sunday night as well. Modern is actually on Saturday, though. Oh, is there a modern event this weekend? Yep. So, Showcase Challenges, okay. which are okay. they're part of the Mocks pathway. Do you need Do you need invitations, or can you just enter no, them? No, you need 40 qualifier points. Oh, shit. Hang on, let me have a look. <laughs> so, you've I didn't got know. to play prelims throughout the week. Oh. oh, okay. I mean, you can do it the really slow way, but would not recommend... What's that drafting? No. Uh, no construct. You just play leagues, but you get three, thick four one. It's so slow. You'd have to be able to play like fifteen leagues or something. Yeah. Um, the prelims are much better. Right. The prelims are actually pretty good. If you three one, you get twenty points. If you four, you get forty. So it's like yeah. pretty achievable. Yeah. You can do prelims plus um, leagues. It's fine. Like you fight five of a league and you're a decent way away there. Plus a, a three one in a prelim. But you do you only get them from prelims? You can get them from leagues, just don't get many. You also get them from like challenges on the weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are they called? QPs. QPs, okay. Hang on, I'll send you a picture. That's... My thing is loading, it's taking a sweet time. It's the thing in this picture that has I'm going to assume QP on it. Uh, it doesn't. It's the orange thing. Or mythic coloured thing, I suppose. Yes. So those are this weekend. I've basically decided I'm not going to try and play a second one. I don't really have enough QPs, and I just... You know, I'm going to do other things with my Sunday night. But I am pretty keen to play Modern on Saturday, even though I know that Modern is the worst EV of any of these, because more people will play it. I enjoy Modern, and I'm just going to play Modern. When does this? When does that event start? It is like one a.m. Well, I think it's Two. one a.m. on uh, Sunday. See, those times just kill me. It's not limited. It's well, not limited. Yeah, but they're, yeah, they're all bad. They're all bad, or the all the, no, all the times or... are bad. Oh, the times! Yeah, the times are rubbish. Standard challenge nine a.m. Monday. That's standard. True. You got a you got a standard deck, Kyle. Uh, the. What is, what's it called? I don't know. The thing, the week, week I shouldn't The NBL weekend was this weekend. Yeah, but it's got a, a nicer name than that, but all I can think of is Eternal Weekend, because Trent said it. <laughs> and it's not Eternal Weekend, it's just League Weekend, I think. Yeah, it's League Weekend. Yeah. Yep. 
settles on this weekend. There should yeah, be it was, some decks. It was good. It was good to watch. Uh, I actually watched it as a little bit of it. Uh, watched the majority of it on the Sunday when I was pottering around the house. So, did you see any decks that you liked? Uh, there were not like I haven't played the format, so I don't really know. Um, the the nine AM standard challenge is pretty empty. I reckon the, you could pick up a deck and top it. Yeah, right. I think it's just like you just play mono red or mono right, mono white. They both look like the two best decks. And from what I understand, like the podcast that I consume, I think outside of Gab Nassif, everybody else recommended for actually Gab even recommended um, mono red or mono white. He played a um, Abzan Yorian deck with just all these removal spells. I don't know how well he went. I think he didn't start off well, but yeah, they they look kind of cool. Um, I, I think Nassif finished off. I think he locked. Uh, world's key, I think. Oh, that's that's good. I actually never. I, I looked at a lunch because uh, generally interested in how he goes, but um, didn't look hard enough. He, that's good to hear. Yeah, he's still top two overall. So yeah, did he beat PV? I know he was battling PV at some I stage. I think PV finished above him, so I think he's second. I'm not sure. Scolding Cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I last checked, they hadn't played their match, and that but they were one and two. PV was one match when I had so best and safe could do was tie, I think. So what's the worst card you've ever uh, entered in a competitive tournament, Kyle? I mean, are you setting me up to say Living End or? No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> it's definitely not up. Living End. It's one of the cyclists. That's probably worse cards than that. What was in that deck that you watched me play in Standard Ian? Then oh, that deck was fine. Melbourne. It was just like all no. good cards, good blue black cards. Ah, uh, in the PPTQ, yeah. No, about the GP, like a long time oh, ago. Oh, the, the black white deck. The one. I mean, I assumed. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to competitive Magic at that point. I assumed that it was fine. It was not great. I want to say Dryad Militant, but I think Dryad Militant's also won a PT, so maybe not. Dryad Militant is not not that bad, dude. There was Hero of the Pantheon, which is also a Savannah Lions. That's better than Dryad Militant. I don't know if it ever triggered that weekend, though. I feel like it didn't. Yeah, but Savannah Lions can't be the worst card you've ever played. Well, I've played Living End a lot, <laughs> so I suppose it's probably one of the cyclers. You're so boring. Oh, what else have I played? Trent, what's the worst card you've ever played? Enchanted Carriage. Oh, but you thought that was good. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't. It was not a good card, but it was good in some specific scenarios. Yes, it, it makes mice. It didn't. In. I didn't register. I didn't register for the GP. Sorry, you played this in constructed, uh, not limited. Yeah, I played it when in I the, played fires. The that, Grand Prix that's what he was fires. <laughs> I was playing fires prevention, and Trent was playing enchanted carriage. I, I didn't play it for the tournament, but so, sell me on it. What was what was the thinking behind this card? So you were playing you were playing the card pack. You were playing card package. Okay. And you wanted a five drop, what? and like so, if you got the first one was always either Great Henge or Stonecoil Serpent. Yeah. But if you didn't, if you needed blockers, then you could get enchanted carriage. I mean, yeah, so it's it gave you three so bodies. This is basically Wormcoil, right? This is this is standard Wormcoil. No, it's definitely not Wormcoil Engine. <laughs> That's the idea behind it. It's dude, dude. If it was Wormcoil Engine, I would have played the hell out of that. This card is. I think this. Sorry, my worst card is Sacred Cat. I think I've decided. Okay. Which is the, okay. the one mana one one with lifelink and it has embalm for a single white, so it's just two one one lifelink blockers. Mm-hmm. I think that's my worst. I mean, what 
Wall of Omens definitely comes in over Enchanted Carriage, right? Like, it's a better Wall card. Wall of Omens is yeah. much better than Enchanted Carriage. I realize I've, I've, now I realize I've played Footlight Fiend, which is probably not very good. Oh, that's yeah, that's bad. That's, that's got to be... Yeah. Actually, what about Dogen's worst card? Because he's, oh. he's played that card, but he's probably got yes. more shitters than that. Oh, he's played Fling, dude. He's, he qualified for the PT with fucking Fling. He like, didn't Fling a 1-1. I was so disappointed. I'll never forget. It didn't matter. Him. He cast it. Yeah, that's gonna be up. He could have flung a one-one. Oh, was his opponent on one? Yeah, he was. Oh, <laughs> and he flung a five-five instead. And I'm like, but Dogen, why? My dude, he had two counter spells back up. There was no way this was gonna go poorly. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, the name's bricking on me now, but there's a reason that one of the players that always gets. Why is this name bricking on me? I can see his face. He gets every year he gets upvoted for the Hall of Fame and never gets there because he didn't win a Worlds because he could have drained life for more and he didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, all he needed to do was like tap more mana for his drain life and he wins and he just tapped it for the minimal amount. His opponent sorts the player shit, his own creature, said that he lived and then killed him on the crackback. Is it Piccolo? Yeah, yeah, Chris Piccolo. I, can't, I was sitting here with my his face in my head and I couldn't remember That's it. That's pretty bad. That's but, still not as bad as playing Enchanted Carriage, but pretty bad. Come on, dude. <laughs> Have you ever played Enchanted Carriage? Have you ever gotten it with Khan and played I it? I even played it in Limited, and I wasn't that it's, it's happy about it. It's much better in Limited. It's, it's pretty good in Enchanted Carriage. It's, it's pretty good in that Limited format. Yeah, it was yeah, quite actually, good in Limited. Yeah. I, I, so, like, I thought I knew what this card was, and I had to look it up, because I was like, surely Trent doesn't mean this card. I must be thinking of something else. It's, it's probably the worst card I've ever played in deck. <laughs> Dude, it was, it's a mad scientist. It was pretty cool. Oh, actually, you know the worst card I've played? Laguna Band Trailblazer. Yeah, okay. No, well, I mean, that deck was not the worst deck you've played, though. Oh, no, that deck was great. That deck was a lot of fun. Nothing better than yeah. attacking with an 4 into, into your opponent's blockers. And they're like, um... That kind of was secretly great because it didn't die to Wild Slash, whereas the rest of the creatures in the deck did. And that was a problem in that format. Yeah, because they didn't have enough targets. <laughs> yeah, well, there weren't that many creatures in the deck. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, look at bad cards I've played. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of anything. Like, nothing else comes close, realistically. Like, I know that, you know... I've played like a lot of coiling oracles, but that has a that has a like an actual reason to be played in that deck. It is actively good in that. Oh, deck. Oh, actually, I played Wingcrafter in Legacy. Oof, that's true. In a very important tournament that I needed to do well in. You didn't need to do well. I just sort of. Well, nice. Turns out I didn't. Turns out I got in with breakers <laughs> despite doing terribly. But <laughs> that's hilarious. What did you play in the Zakama deck? Surely there was a bad card in Zakama. that deck. Zakama. Zakama is a bad card, dude. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I have beaten Trent. I beat him with Zakama. I remember now. I don't, rec- <laughs> I don't recall this at all. <laughs> the more... This doesn't sound like a truth. Absolutely. More will PPDQ. You're playing green like mid-range because your name's Trent Clark. And I was playing like... An Abzan ramp deck with like Mastermind's acquisition as the only win cons. Oh, was were you playing Faded Retribution? The yeah, th- yeah, absolutely. Triple... That was you. Yeah. 
Oh my god, I still remember that game. It's like there's no way that I could lose and I had a second the Lifecrafter's bestiary in my hand. I'm like, there's no way he like removes the second one and you drew fucking faded retribution. That was you. Oh my god. Alright, alright. Fair enough. That deck was awful, dude. Like I knew my deck was bad, your deck. Oh, that is the Oh, I guess the scoreboard says otherwise. <laughs> uh, the, the, my favorite part about that deck was starting off with several, like a few win conditions, and gradually just shaving them more and more until the only win conditions were like the masterminds acquisitions. So I was actually just dead to like a cranial extraction. That's so good. <laughs> um, who won? Who ended up winning that? Dogen came second. I know this because Brent, Brent and I and Dogen all carpooled and Brent O2 dropped and then had to wait for Dogen and I and Dogen got all the way to the finals before losing. He has a habit of that. Just losing. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> I think Coots won it, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's maybe what he I won thought. The, actually, no, I think he won the one before. He won the day before. He won the sale one. Ah, uh, the sale one. That's true. Yeah, he had a really good match against um, Brett Gervin. Yeah. That was sick, actually. Yeah, I don't remember who won the final. And I was I was drunk as sitting in the back of the car. <laughs> just just like finished around, go out the back, drink a beer, because <laughs> I didn't need because that was the team PDQ, right? Yeah. And I didn't need to queue because both Saha and Brent had queued, and I hadn't, but I wanted to. Mm. But I was playing. <laughs> Green black, it was awful. <laughs> it was, Which it was Zakama, so. It lost a faded retribution. Which event did Leo win? Uh he won uh Moama. Uh no, the one on the border. No, no one went to that one. Because I was gonna go and then no one else uh, wanted to. I've only ever been to this store once. I can't remember the name of the store, but um he beat Ben Daly in the top four, and he beat me in the top eight. He ran like fire. Like he drew like fire that day. He was playing the blue-black deck, yeah. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. I think it was the week after Ian made top eight at Melbourne with Sakama. Because Shane also played the blue-black deck in that tournament and lost in top eight. No, I did top eight. I top eight mm. two PPTQs with that deck. Actually, that's not true. One of them was Gift. Never mind. I top eight one PPTQ with that deck. You are a powerful wizard, sir. <laughs> Uh, someday I'll just start playing the best deck. No, you won't. Yeah, seems like a very far off day. Have you ever played the best deck? Um, I play. I mean, I played um, Nexus of Fate and Historic when it was clearly the best deck. Okay, that's fair. Kyle, you played Fires when it was the best, or arguably the best deck. What did yeah. you play in that tournament, Ian? He wasn't here. I was in China. Oh, I, could, I oh, went to yeah, China yeah. and Dogen won a PBDQ and then Kyle won a GP in back-to-back weekends as soon as I left. You need to yeah. go to China again once once competitive magic starts up. <laughs> He's going to ship me off as like, it's like a reverse lucky totem. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, they won when you weren't here. Look, if you all want to chip in for my flights to China, I will happily go to China so you guys can win some magic matches. I'll, I'll, I'll just come with you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure mm-hmm. Kyle still has some of his GP earnings tucked away. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. There you go. Oh. Um, All these stories are the reason I'm so glad we actually get to play some paper magic, and I'm really excited for there to be more comp events. It's the only reason, like, 
magic's worth sticking around for, right? Is that hopefully we get to make more of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Kyle, have you ever played anything outside of Living End in a modern tournament? I've played Hogak. Oh, you played Hogak. Yeah, you yeah. played the best deck then. There you um, go. Yep. I played Storm in that DGQ. I think every GP, modern GP, I've played Living End, so. Sure. I think three, four times. I don't know. I should know. It's a lot of Living End. I think it's four times. Once in Melbourne, twice overseas. Uh, once one, in Brisbane. Once overseas, right? Oh, just, was it just once? I thought it was you played two modern events overseas. No, I only played one. Memphis okay. was standard. Yeah, sure, sure. And then I ended up like a few QP, oh, not QPs, whatever, plans or points short of getting a second buy at Nationals because I dropped early. Should have just played it out. You silly duffer. Was. Trent, I've just realised I played the best deck. I played four color reclamation for ages, and I played Demir Inverter for months until I got banned. Oh, yeah. so oh, there played you go. the best deck a little bit. Mm. Mostly went. Yeah, correct. When the best, I played KCI before that got banned. Just needs to be a, a combo deck. <laughs> so when the best deck is a combo deck, very yeah. easy to sell me. I think I've literally only played the best deck once, and that was the um, Team Energy. Yeah. And that was literally the the best day of my life. I didn't even think. It was good to just Played have it. better cards than everyone else. That oh, was just the best deck in the format. Like, yeah. It was the, literally the, the easiest tournament I've ever played because it was the best deck and I drew better than everybody else. So I just won all the mirrors because I drew more glory bringers. Oh, actually, I had less long tusk cubs in my deck because that card sucked in the mirror and everyone said it was good. It's not good in the mirror. No. Suck on it, Alec. <laughs> I can't remember what the fourth GP I played in. Living in time. It was probably Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. It's probably one of each. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. And then LA. Well, I got an officer meeting to go to. Alright. Well, thank you both for having this chat about I, we were talking about modern but we've ended on some good stories which really is what this podcast is about um, real quick before we go uh, Trent's answer is very easy but one deck we're going to go modern for this week doesn't have to be necessarily the deck you think is the best but a deck you want to you're interested to see where it goes and have a think about it over the next week uh, Trent are you on Ephemerate I assume if I wanted to farm tickets, I'd play Tron. Really? But I'll never play Tron, because I'd just, you know, play Solitaire by myself and it doesn't cost me anything. That's fair. And if if I wasn't doing that, I'd, yeah, I'd literally play Ephemerate too. I think it's actually in a really good spot. Kyle? Um, well, I thought Dredge would have been alright, but it didn't really have a showing... At the the modern challenges, but like obviously I don't know if anyone actually played it. Maybe nobody played it, so it can't do well then. It's it's one of the more played decks on the meta, right? The meta breakdown. Uh, which meta breakdown are you looking at? 
Oh, it's just like the fight bike, the bi the bi weekly breakdown for modern. Goldfish has it high ish. Yeah, -ish. it's one of the higher. What? Like the last week, the last week it's at seven percent. Okay. Which is the third highest archetype played out of mm -hmm. all the breakdown that they've got. Hmm, that's interesting. Because yeah, I thought it would have done reasonably, but obviously it's like put up one result across two of two events, more events. Because I don't think it did well last weekend either. Which is a little bit concerning. It's interesting. Um, yeah, alright. Dredge. Or did you have something else? I mean, if we're talking about decks we'll actually play, well, obviously, I only play Living End, probably. <laughs> um, alright, are you going to go out and play the Blue Living End deck and report back to us on probably. how good it is? Maybe. I don't know. Better go play those prelims. Yeah, force, force and negations costs a lot. I don't think I'll be able to do they, it. They do. Um... Brazen Borough costs a lot too, but I was thinking I'd play Remand over Brazen Borough. Because the... Oh, I mean, we'll not get into it. We're finishing up. It's fine. Yeah, but we'll save the, the Living End breakdown for next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, my deck... Uh, I really want to play... Like a Stoneforge deck, but I think Trent's convinced me that Ephemerate is actually well positioned, so I'm going to play Ephemerate and just... Yes. Yes. Everyone's playing Stoneforge decks, and I just think it's it goes over the top of the Stoneforge decks, and I'll put a bunch of timely reinforcements on my sideboard to beat the red decks. So... That's a good plan. Yep. That's the plan for this week. Alright, thank you for listening. We will be back, hopefully next week, not next fortnight. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make I'll make an effort yeah. this week. That's on that's on Trent, really. So uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>